0: Means everyone else who knows who foghorn leghorn is. That's right. I say, I say, I, I'll say it's. Turn to First Peter chapter two, verses nine through twelve. That's found on page one thousand two hundred and four in your Pew Bible. 1204, that's one thousand two hundred and four. That's first Peter. Chapter 2, verses 9 through 12. There it's written, But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy, beloved I urge you as sojourners and exiles to abstain from the passions of the flesh, which wage war against your soul. Keep your conduct among the Gentiles honorable, so that when they speak against you as evildoers, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day of visitation. Here ends the reading of God's holy word. Please join me in prayer. O holy God, may the words of my mouth, the meditations of all of our hearts, be acceptable in your sight, O God, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. I have a question for you, one that you may struggle to answer. Who are you? Who are you? How is it that you define yourself? Right? There's there's ways that we ask questions when we meet someone new to to figure out how we can identify them. But how is it that you identify yourself? What is your identity? Is is it that, you know, that you're a husband or a mother, a grandmother, a grandfather, a neighbor? Are you a friend Is it that you're an accountant or a pastor or a builder or a salesperson? Who are you? And why does it take so long before we get to who we are in Christ Jesus? I mean, we, we talked about it last week, right? Jesus is the hero of our story. It's not us. It's not anything we've accomplished. It's not what we've done or what we're currently doing. It's Jesus because of what he has done, because of his sufficient work on the cross. Here's the kicker. Because of his work on the cross, because of what he has done in our faith in him, you have been adopted. As daughters and sons of God our Father. Hold on to that for a moment. You have been adopted as sons and daughters of the God Most High. Who are you? You are sons and daughters of the God Most High. Because of what Christ has done and our faith in him, that is what makes us children of God. That is our new identity. Since we have come into Christ, that is our identity. Not only our new identity, but it is our most important identity. But why does it take so long before we even mention it to somebody else? Most of us can remember or recall our baptisms or, or maybe we remember and recall other baptisms which helps us remember our own. Our baptism, that moment when we were raised Into new life in Christ. As a church, baptisms are are a wonderful thing. We gather and we celebrate, we rejoice at baptisms because here's what's really happening at baptism it is the official adoption ceremony of our brothers and sisters, it's the official adoption ceremony, it's where our family gets bigger. It's where another is adopted as a son or daughter. See here, Peter is writing this letter and he's writing to those who are in Christ Jesus. And he wants to remind them. He reminds them just who they are, that they are A chosen race. A royal priesthood. Have you ever thought of yourself as a royal priesthood? But you belong to the one true king. You have an inheritance from the one true king of life eternal. You are a royal priesthood called to be ambassadors of light into this world, glorifying God through all that you do. You are a royal priesthood. A holy nation, not governed by boundaries made by man, but a holy nation of people belonging to God around the world and through time. A people, a people for his own possession. A people called out of darkness and into his marvelous light. For the life we led and lived before we were in, Christ Jesus was a path of destruction and darkness, littered with our own fleshly desires that raged against God, that would ultimately, without his mercy and love, lead us to eternal torment in hell. Peter says we are a people who once were without mercy, but now have mercy. We are now God's people. Peter took time in writing this letter to people who are following Jesus, living in the world amongst unbelievers as if they are in exile. To remind them exactly who they are. We need that reminder too. Because the chances are, when we get asked who we are, we're more likely to identify with worldly things. Things of this world, identifications of this world. And Yes, some of those are good things, but they are not ultimate things or eternal things. Yet we place them in that position. As Peter writes to these Christians who are living in exile because, because they're not living in God's new promised kingdom that is yet to come. So we are in exile. That is who we are. Citizens of heaven living in exile here in this fallen world. And he writes to them who are living in this world, takes time to remind them who they truly are because it matters. It matters how we see ourselves. It matters who we are in Christ. Because for those who are in Christ Jesus, for those who are growing in fluency of gospel, it is through the very gospel in the way that we are to see ourselves and see everyone else. Not by our accomplishments. We've all got awards. We've all done Really cool, neat, and awesome, and interesting things, but that does not define us. God defines us. He created us male and female, and He adopted us as sons and daughters. God defines us, not by world standards, not by our own fleshly desires but through the love of Jesus as God's beloved children. See, as a, as a side note, as we understand children of God, what we need to understand is not everyone in the world is a child of God according to Scripture. According to God's word, That is an identity given only to those who have faith in Jesus Christ and his sufficient work, who look to him for their salvation. Those are God's children. Those are God's people. What that means for us, it does not mean that then everyone else, the Gentiles, the unbelievers, and everybody else does not deserve our love and respect, but because they do, God calls us to love them. And the truth is God made everyone in his image. And to disrespect someone else made in God's image is to disrespect part of God. But it is a trapping of progressivism to call all people children of God. It goes against the very word of God, and it leads to a a universalist understanding that, that says no matter what you believe, Buddhist, Hindu, Muslim, Jewish, witches, wizards, you will be saved. God's word simply doesn't say that. And to tell people it does is not loving them. It's condemning them. To love someone is to tell them the truth about Jesus. That he is the way, the truth, and the life. And that only those who go through him will come to the Father. That's what God's word says. That's what we as Christians can affirm. See, Peter makes it clear that the identity of those who are in Christ Jesus, who now live in his mercy, God's children, This church that's been inaugurated and growing has a calling upon itself that the rest of the world does not have. And that calling is what Peter urges. Peter urges God's people to exhibit their new life in Christ as a witness to their identity in Christ. That the way we live is distinct, it is radical, and looks different than the world. That God's mercy leads us into a certain conduct. Throughout history, the church has named that as holiness. That God's word and and love in our life changes us and we turn towards holiness to become more like Christ, to live as God commands us to live. Peter says it in this way. He says it is to abstain from the passions of your flesh, that we would have honorable conduct amongst unbelievers, so that when someone ever wanted to speak evil against you, your good deeds would shine of God's glory. And there's two ways Christians have have really navigated this holiness. There are some who, who abstain from passions of the flesh, but they have segregated themselves off from the world. And the problem is when you do that, the world cannot see the change God has done in your life and there is no opportunity to speak to an unbeliever of the truth of Jesus. The other trapping is that we spend our time here on Sunday. But other than that, nobody can tell by the way we live that we are in Christ Jesus because our lives simply do not look different. That's where most of us land and we try and navigate it and it's hard. It's a hard navigation to make. There's pressures on us in every direction to conform to the world and not to conform to Christ. There's pressures on us to keep up with the Joneses or be the Joneses ourselves. There's pressures on us that as the world changes, so too must we change in order to adapt and fit in. the hard truth is God doesn't call us to fit in with the rest of the world God doesn't call us to fit in with the way the world operates but God calls us unto himself and he does so with love and mercy and grace and kindness and patience. Oh, how God has been so patient with us. Yeah, as we sing hymns where we talk about we are prone to wander, yet God is merciful and patient with us, running us down with his grace. because we are his, because we are his children. And so Peter urges, his plea is that Christians, gospel-fluent followers of Jesus, would live a radically different life among the Gentiles, among the unbelievers, so that we may be a living example of, of the change Jesus has had on us. Now, I'm going to hold you here for a second because just living out the change Jesus has done in our life is not a substitute for sharing the gospel. We sometimes like to use that as a reason not to share. Well, people will just see what I do. But rather, when people see what we do and how we live Is that at some point they're going to say, Who are you? At some point they're going to ask, Well, why do you do this? And in that moment, use words. Tell of Jesus. He's the hero. Remember your story but your story with Jesus as the hero. So Paul doesn't say keep to yourselves. He says go. Live in the world. But live in it for Christ and for God's glory. Amen.